Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. On today's episode, Dave interviews Miles Boykin, a Notre Dame graduate currently playing in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They discuss the business side of professional sports, along with other interesting topics. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you for everyone listening. We appreciate you. Kerry and the team, thanks for setting everything up. We really appreciate you. Uh, today on the podcast, uh, Dr. Bud Pagan will not be with us. We have uh, a guest host, and I would say more than a friend, uh, uh, another family member to the Pagans, and that is NFL professional football player, the Miles Boykin. So, Miles, welcome to the podcast, man. We're glad to have you. No, thank you for having me. Oh, no, no. And uh, we, we have a lot of great memories together, so that's why I want to be fully transparent uh, you're my oldest son's, one of his best friends, and you've been family to us for years. So we've been wanting to get you on, so finally we were able to make it work in your schedule. So thanks for joining us today, Miles. We appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Uh, I was waiting for my chance to get on the podcast, so I'm excited about it. Hey, you, you made it on episode 18, my friend. That's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, today's topic, everybody, what we're going to talk about is the business side of professional sports. If you recall a couple weeks back, maybe it's even two months ago, we had Nick Wisher, who was fantastic. Actually, he's a good friend of Miles, another Notre Dame football player, talk about the NILs, the national licensing, and how some of the business side of amateur athletics. We thought we'd have Miles on today to talk about the business side of professional sports and give us some perspectives. I got a bunch of questions. Uh, my brother and I put together a bunch of stuff we wanted to ask him from that side of professional sports. But before we do that, Miles, you'll do a much better job than I will of giving your background. I mean, I initially said you are currently playing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and it's a, for us here in Chicago, it's a must watch every week with our Bears watching you and the Steelers. You want to give everybody your background a little bit, Miles, so the people who don't know you know a little bit about you and your background growing up on the south side uh, suburbs of Chicago. We met, oh God, probably 15 years ago. Maybe walk people through that a little bit, Miles. Yeah, uh, definitely. So like you said, uh, it was I was born in Chicago Heights, was raised in Tinley Park, Illinois. Um, and it's actually funny because uh, every time me and Tyler, your son, get together, uh, we always talk about you know, one of our first times kind of meeting each other. And I don't know if you remember, I'm pretty sure you remember, but it was in the, uh, the rec league over in Mokina. Okay. Sure. And it was the championship game, and I hadn't sat out, and there was like a rule where everybody had to sit out at least a minute, and it was the last Yes. Minute, and I had to sit out, and so you guys won the championship game. And Tyler always, me and Tyler always talk about that, but uh, that was just one of the funny memories that I, that I always have. That was our first time meeting, and that might have, that was more than 15 years ago, maybe. Oh, longer, because those were 
that was second grade, I think. So, oh, I'll set the scenario. This is hysterical. I'll set the scenario there. So, Miles was a monster, as you can imagine. A phenomenal basketball player. I'm sure that'll come up today, too. Him and Todd are on basketball teams since seventh grade. Uh, Miles was Miles is the same grade as my oldest son, Tyler. Uh, Miles was such a great basketball player. He played up in his early years of grade school with a good friend of mine, Pat Brankin and Eileen Copenhaver, because Miles was just that special and good. Max Struess on the Miami Heat was on that team. So as you can imagine, uh, two professional athletes, they were great. Actually, Nick Wisher, too. And then those kids went on to high school, so Miles got left behind. So he was with us and Tyler, and uh, we had the benefit of really getting to know Miles as a person. And it's funny, whenever anybody always comes up to me, they're always like, hey, Dave, tell me about Miles. How's he doing here? And I always stop them right in their tracks. And I say, the first thing I got to tell you, he's a ridiculously impressive kid. Uh, and no longer a kid, obviously, you're a grown man. But I still boo you as a kid, even though you're four inches taller and 40 pounds heavier than I. But uh, uh, just an amazing young man. But you're right. In that game, the strategy was, I always had to figure out when do I sit your best kids? And because everyone always to sit one quarter and we played four. So do you sit them right away and get down? Do you sit them in the second? And there's Miles and his brother, George, who's a great athlete. And these guys are out there. I'm like, wait a minute. Because I go to his dad. I'm like, Georgie, you can't, the big boy's got to come out. one of here. You can't. You're killing us. I already set my best guys. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> That was a lot of fun. And he's he, Tyler is right. Yeah, that's the only reason we want to keep finally sat. So, Miles, tell us about it. So, you were an amazing high school athlete for – you could have played baseball too, by the way. People don't realize that. You were a hell of a baseball player. Uh, take us through high school and up through to you got to the NFL. Yeah, uh, man. So, I, I still remember to this day, you know, when I was going into high school, I wanted to play basketball and I was set on it. And I mean, you knew I loved basketball. Um, my mom told me to focus on two sports instead of three, so I dropped baseball, and I really thought basketball was going to be my, uh, you know, be my calling. And it was after my freshman year where I got a letter from uh, Wisconsin for football, and that's when my mind kind of started to change. You know, I wasn't getting recruited as much in basketball, at least to that level of D1. Um, and so for from there on out. There'd be times you know, I, there wasn't too many weekends where I felt like I had a free weekend when I was in high school. Um, I was either, you know, playing with you guys at AAU or I was doing something football wise, but I always felt like I was busy. And I think that was a huge part of my development because um, they just that's how much I love sports. You know, there was nothing that I wasn't willing to do. I could care less about, you know, doing things in the summer because all my friends played sports anyway. So, um, I mean, there was even times where my mom had to work all weekend and she dropped me off at your house for the weekend. You were taking us to the tournament. So like me and Tyler together the whole weekend. Um, I remember being in summer school my my freshman year of uh, to go to Providence and I would spend like the whole week over there. Me and Tyler would do our homework together and then, you know, we go practice together and do everything like that. So um, I always wanted to thank you for that because you treated me like I was your own you know kid at that point, too. But uh, for yeah. me, it was always, you know, I always wanted to do that. And also another story, special story I wanted to share was my mom was working in uh, Illinois. U of I invited me to their camp. And, you know, I didn't have anybody else to take me. So my mom asked you to take me to the camp. And lo and behold, you know, it was my first camp, my first college camp. And, you know, they offered me a scholarship and it was my first scholarship. So uh, it was a special moment that, you know, I feel like me and you will always be able to share because you were the one that drove me down there and, you know, let me do the camp when no one else could. 
I think Tyler and I were more excited than you when you got the offer. I'm like, did you call your mom yet? Did you call your mom? Did you call your dad? Uh, so that you're right. I forgot about that. That was a great night. That was, uh, I, I forgot about that night, Miles. That was a special night when you got that first offer. And for those of you out there, um, my a friend of mine, we started an AAU non-for-profit basketball organization on the South Side and ran it for all oh, about 10 years. And Miles and Tyler and a bunch of other local kids, um, it, it, just a wonderful group of, at the time, kids, but now great young men of, and their families. So that's what Miles was referring to. Uh, every weekend between his football camps and then playing basketball, he was busy. And uh, hats off to your mom and dad, too. And your mom, I know she did a lot of that driving all over the place. So, Felicia, if you're listening, hats off to you. We always appreciated you running around uh, the Midwest, getting Miles and, uh, and and your oldest Georgie around. So, God bless you. So, Miles, so it's high school. You get the first offer at U of I. Great moment. Yeah. And then uh, so uh, all the schools pretty much came after that. And uh, I remember my my mom seeing that uh, Notre Dame had stopped through school and she was asking if I was going to visit. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go there. You know, too many people like that place. I really don't like it. It's whatever. Um, eventually, my quarterback convinced me to take a visit down there and it was freezing. It was like. I don't know, single digit degrees, maybe like five degrees at the game and it was snowing. And it was an awful experience, like for anybody else that, you know, would just go to watch a football game. And uh, after we left, my mom, we were in the car. My mom was like, I know you're not going to go there. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of like it. And then I went maybe a month or two later, they offered me a scholarship. And then three, four months after that, I committed there. And uh, yeah, went to Notre Dame. Uh, had a lot of adversity there. I registered my freshman year. Uh, sophomore, sophomore year and junior year, I played with broken fingers pretty much um then the only time it healed until was uh my junior year going into the bowl game so i was completely healthy um ended up having a great game against lsu in our bowl game and then ended up starting my uh senior year had a great season there and got drafted to the baltimore ravens in the third round after my senior year yes that was a great yes that was a fun night by the way and uh and your party the next week for the Baltimore, that was a great celebration. A couple of things you left out that I thought were funny, good stories. So you're downplaying Notre Dame. It was more like this when you were going on those trips. Like, I don't even want to go there, but I'm going to go. And I forgot they. it was a Saturday because I was with my other kids, the Twins, at their tournament. You took Tyler with you. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was with you. So Miles used to call my oldest Tyler Little Train. So Little Train was with him. And they're both going to Notre Dame, and neither one of them really loved Notre Dame at all. They're just going. I forgot who they were playing. I don't know if they were playing Duke, Carolina. There was a was basketball game. Who was it? North Carolina, a basketball okay, game. Okay, North Carolina. So these two yahoos are like, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to see Notre Dame play Carolina. I think they were more excited about that than to go see the campus. Well, fast forward a couple hours, I get a call from you two, and, my, and Tyler's on the phone, and he goes, Hey, yeah, Dad, Miles and I really like it here at Notre Dame. We're surprised. I go, what do you mean you and Miles like it here? I go, I don't think you're a package deal. I don't think you're going after Miles and you. So that was a funny story. Uh, 
they were so impressive on that visit that it completely changed the both of you, even though you were the only one uh, they were after. That was funny. Um, tell everyone about the story when we all went to Florida and our fishing escapade, and we had wonderful fish that we got to cook that night. You, myself, and Tyler went deep sea fishing, and uh, we brought back a ton of fish. Tell everyone about the scoreboard, because I don't think people realize you're a huge deep sea fisher guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, really, probably what started, you know, me going deep sea fishing, which obviously, you know, I try to do every year now, at least once or twice a year. Um, right. we go. You and Tyler did not catch a single thing. I caught all the fish. I fed, you know, I fed you guys for the for the dinner. <laughs> it was the best fish I ever had, though, because it was so fresh. Oh uh, yeah, they cook it right for you. We're we're miserable not catching anything, and there's him, I, right next to us, basically catching fish after fish, and we're looking at each other like, why do we? And I don't want to cuss. Uh, we couldn't catch anything. Luckily, you caught everything. So it's really miserable for us until we got off the boat. And then we actually got to eat the great food. But, uh, yeah, you are uh, you are definitely a great fisherman. So you get drafted in the NFL. You're with the Raven. Or you're with, um, yeah, the Ravens. I know you had a ton of respect for that organization. You end up going to the Steelers to another organization. Miles, I want to jump into this. Um, you said something to me. Oh, boy, about two or three years ago, we were just having a big picture conversation, and you said organizations win championships. Why don't you tell everybody what you were talking about? Because I thought that was pretty impressive for a 22, 23-year-old saying organizations win championships. What are you talking about? Yeah, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be drafted to the Ravens, which is a, a great organization, one of the best in the NFL. And it took me a little bit of time, but um, in the NFL, organizations win championships. You know, you see, and I don't ever want to talk bad about another NFL organization, but um, when you look at the Ravens, you look at the Steelers, um, from the top down, it's just world class. You know, you don't hear bad stories about, you know, these these teams or how, the way that they treat people. Um, usually they treat people the right way and they do things the right way, and it goes a long way just because um, – when you have these 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 young men that you're drafting, so I was 22 when I got drafted, um, it really shaped the way that I kind of handled my career, you know, because they always did right and did the right things and surrounded me by the right people. That's how I am now, you know, that I'm with the Steelers. And it, it would have been the same if I got drafted to the Steelers because it's just such a great organization, too. They have continuity. You know, Harbaugh's been there forever. Uh, Mike Tomlin's been here forever. And they just set a certain culture that, allows you to be able to mold into that. And that starts from the top down. It starts from the owner to the GM to everybody else down because, uh, you know, without that continuity and without that, you know, kind of that flow, you know, it's a stressful work environment. It's never been like that in, in the two places that I've been. And I've been very fortunate and blessed to be in the position that I've been in. The word I think of when you tell this story, when you I hear you say this and you've said it's a conversation I've been in, is alignment. There's alignment from that owner to the GM, to the coaches, to the players of what seems basic to us on the outside looking in, but it's not. Uh, that accountability, that you're here to do a job, uh, treat people well during that. And I just thought it was interesting. One of the first things that I, when I asked you about uh, professional sports and the Ravens, and then you said the same thing about the Steelers, uh, I thought that was a very interesting. So let me try jump into some money stuff. Uh, 
the NFL signed an 11-year TV rights deal. It's around $113 billion. So for those listening out there, yes, I said it right, $113 billion, this new 11-year TV rights deal, which runs through 2033. I believe the NFL has, they can terminate it after seven years. Another stat, 28% of the NFL revenue comes from ticket sales. So barely, just over 25% of the revenue of the NFL comes from ticket sales, everybody. So, Miles, these TV contracts, what's it like in the locker room or with your agents or other people? Are you guys well-versed to this? Do you hear this stuff um, away from playing, which I know is the number one focus when you're in the locker room playing, but this kind of stuff, does it come up in what is the perspective that players have these days? And it's such a it's such a tough topic because it comes up, but it only comes up after the fact, pretty much. Um, I, I've always been an advocate for players and, and having us know the right things before we go and vote on a CBA, which I want to say my second year, going into my second year or third year, we had a, a CBA that got signed and we signed it a year early. It, it voted in the past. And to me, it was a big issue because we could have got more of that revenue, you know, in our in our CBA and got paid more. Um, but it's just such a tough league to to do because everybody has a vote and everybody's vote is weighed equally, which to me, I think might be the biggest issue. Like one of the things that if I was ever, you know, part of the NFLPA or had a chance to change, I would still give everybody a vote. But um, there's no way you could tell me that a, a tenure that, you know, should have the same vote voting power as you know, the kid who just signed, you know, uh, contract. Like, it's just it's just not fair because that 10-year vet is going to do what's best for the game. And that one year, that person that's playing for one year is going to do what's best for them. And I completely agree with why they would do that. You know, it just makes sense because if I see this money right now, I'm going to vote for this right now. And, you know, I'll take my extra 10, 15,000 here now, whereas the 10-year vet wants it over the, you know, longevity of his career. So... Uh, I think that's probably the biggest issue, but um, yeah, everybody's aware of, of, of the contracts and how much money that they make. I just think that we could do a better job when it comes to voting in our CBA. And I want to share with everyone out there this, uh, the, it's not as if, so people hear this money in the NFL, uh, especially, it's not like basketball with these guaranteed contracts. And this guarantee, this, all this guaranteed money. So a lot of these men out there, they're fighting tooth and nail for every dollar because who knows what it's going to be in a year or two for some of these players and what team or not team they're going to be on. There's only so many spots on the field. So I can see why, Miles, when you bring that up, how different those two people look like. That 10-year vet, maybe he's already made his money and is just for the last, wants the Super Bowl ring or whatever it might be. Versus the person who's coming from nothing and doesn't have any money. Yeah, uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's the NFL. I mean, the average is two and a half years. So uh, one voting for, you know, I want to vote, want to make an extra hundred thousand this year. Whereas, you know, the 10 year vet is going to be greedy and said, oh, I'm not going to play unless you guys pay me what I'm owed. And, you know, he might hold out and get another 200, 300,000, but there's not, there's substantially more, you know, first, second, third year players and there is 10 year players, obviously. So 
Uh, that's just how it rolls, and I, I just think we need more education on that bit. But it's it's tough because of the way the CBA is set up. Yeah. Yes. Great point. What have you learned about the business of the NFL now that you're uh, year five? Yeah, going into year five. Uh, I would, I mean, it, it sounds, you know, I'm going to try to explain it and it sounds simple, but it's a business. And I don't think too many fans realize that people love football yeah. and I do, but it's a business. I tell people this all the time, each from high school, from middle school, high school, college to the NFL, every year it's less about having fun and more about the business aspect of it. When you get to college, still extremely fun, but it's still a job. Like I have a scholarship. I'm here for a reason. When I get to the NFL, that is my job. That's the only thing that I'm here for is to play football. I'm not worried about my feelings. I'm not worried about anybody else's feelings. I'm there to get a job done and I'm there to get paid. So uh, I don't think people realize that it's a lot of stress. Um, when it comes to negotiating contracts, it's just like anybody else. You, anybody else who has a job, they feel like they should get paid more. They're entitled to that opinion. And you know, this is how we feed our families too. This is how we make a living. And it's not like I could do this for 30, 40 years and then get to retire, you know. Um, I'm lucky as it is. You know, like I said, I already brought up the average of being two and a half years and I'm going on year five. So I'm playing I'm playing on borrowed time. You know, every play could be your last and I take that extremely serious. So uh, for me, it's just, you know, sometimes when you hear fans talk about things like, oh, he doesn't deserve this, he doesn't deserve that. Um, <laughs> it's, just kind of, it's, it's just kind of funny to me because it's like, imagine if that person had millions of people watching them do their job and critiquing them and... You know, yeah, you don't deserve that money. So um, I just think that was, that was probably the biggest thing that I want people to realize that it's truly a business, just like how they go up and work every day, get up and go to work every day. I do the same thing. So. Right. Well, and Miles, too, a fan, a, f a fan is a fan right there. By, it's like singing next to your mother at a Notre Dame game or a Ravens <laughs> or Steelers game. She's a little biased. Miles yeah. is open. Miles is open. Throwing the ball. I go, he's not even on the field right now. <laughs> um, so I, I get it. You know, you drop a ball where me and Tyler, like, ah, no big deal. If it's uh, a bears guy who drops the ball, can't, how does he drop the ball? Why is he on the field? So <laughs> it's just a different world. If I'm you, I'm sure you guys ignore that and don't even pay attention to any of the nonsense. I mean, the fans, how could you? I'm the, the, the people that are passionate like that, they're what, I mean, they're what gets us paid. So we're thankful for every fan that we have. I just think absolutely. That's yeah, like there's there's a difference between I don't think people realize how much of a business it really is, you know. Yeah, and I don't think they care. They're not thinking that way. They're just no. thinking on some days. And you know what? Hey, keep keep buying the tickets. Keep buying the merchandise. Right. <laughs> keep watching on TV, everybody. Uh -huh. um, technology. So Notre Dame is a college, obviously. But that level of football, I mean, that's about as close to professional without being a professional as you can get. So you've been with Notre Dame. Now you're five years in. So in the last eight, nine years, tell us anything in technology that's changed, whether it's been over the last eight years that's affected the game of football for you, or maybe it's even the last one or two that maybe it's things we don't know about as the average fan. And it doesn't even have to be on the field. It could be off the field stuff and business stuff. Anything with technology that would be interesting for us. Yeah, I, I just think it really accelerates the game and, and the product that we put on TV, you know, every time that we go play a game. Uh, and it starts from the meeting room to the film room. Uh, to, we're in the meeting room a day after the game when I already have the next team that we're playing, I have all their film, you know, at my fingertips. 
now our coach is talking about it. We have the statistics behind it from the technology, the analytics. Um, during the game, we get like little still pictures of a play that just happened five seconds ago. I'll be able to diagnose that, look at that. Um, I think it's, it's, it's affected the game in, in great ways. And I think um, obviously there's a lot of downfalls and negatives to COVID, but I think COVID really showed how much technology we really have that we might not have been using you know, efficiently. And I thought COVID kind of taught us all how to be more efficient with the technology that we have and make the most out of what we have if we couldn't do certain things in person or physically. And so now even on a day-to-day basis, our meetings, you know, there's certain tools that they'll bring in or like when we're at home, they'll shoot something to our iPads that we can watch real quick. And it's just seamless. And there's always, uh, there's just so much to learn. There's, there's, there's always learning available, you know, with the technology that we have. This is a question I was going to have at the end, but you brought it up now, so I'm going to tie it here. So, Miles, they're connected with you so much now with this technology. How do you draw a line? When do you draw the line in the sand and say, I've got to turn it off for 20 minutes to do whatever? How do you, how do, you do that with your personal life because of all the pressure demands and the inflammation that's coming to you on a daily basis? Yeah, so I think that's kind of how being a professional athlete, our job kind of differs a little bit from, you know, anybody else who has a regular job or, you know, whatever it is. Um, On a day-to-day basis, on an hour-to-hour basis, my actions are tied into my job. So what I mean by that is, let's say I don't have practice today. Let's say I don't have meetings today. Let's say I'm not even, you know, in Pittsburgh right now. I'm in, you know, Florida. When I wake up, I have to go work out because that's still part of my job. It might not be mandatory, but it's part of my job. Okay. Um, after I work out, I got to eat. Am I putting the right stuff into my body? Am I being serious about, you know, my craft and my profession? It's not mandatory, but it's still part of my job. Um, so that can be mentally draining at times. Uh, and I think for me, especially during the season, I have certain things. So like a regular day, um, you know, during the season is I'll wake up around, 6 45 get to the facility uh we have our first meeting at eight so we'll have our first team meeting at eight then we'll go to an offensive meeting we sit there then we go to a, a receiver meeting actually i'm sorry our first meeting is at 7 30 with, with just receivers then we go to team meeting then we go to offensive meeting and then we go to another receiver meeting and then we'll go to practice so when we practice mm-hmm. then we'll come back inside and we'll have another receiver meeting and then we'll be done. By that time, it's normally about 4.35 o'clock. So I'm pretty much at the facility from 7 to 5 o'clock, 4.30 every day. Then I'll get home. You know, I'll eat. I'll relax. I'll watch a TV show. Just relax. I, I can't do anything football-related for at least an hour, hour and a half. So by that time, maybe it's 8 o'clock. And I'll study film for about 45 minutes. My playbook. I'll go over the plays that we have in practice the next day. Uh, and I'll pick one specific thing about the other team that I want to learn in a day. And then by 9, 9.15, I'm off again. And I'm just trying to watch TV shows or relax until I go to sleep. So, I mean, that's just a huge chunk of my day dedicated to my profession and my football profession and my job. But there's times in there where I can't think about football because it would, if you did, I don't know how anybody could do that. It's just not possible. I don't think it's healthy for anybody to do that too. So, yeah, you have to draw a line between that. Yeah, during the season, you get one day off and that day is not even really an off day, right? Because that day is recovery day where you're banged up with your injuries, uh, ice, cold plunge, 
cryo, all whatever it might be. So that's not even really a day off, right, Miles? No, not at all. So yeah, we'll play Sunday, and you know, <laughs> you don't ever want to play a Thursday night game. But you have a Thursday night game, you don't have a day off at all because you got to go practice. You got to go. Yes. Time. But I mean, if you're a true professional and you just played on Sunday, yeah, you have to go into the facility, take care of your body, ice baths, massages, all this other stuff, because what type of professional are you really if you're not doing that? So it's an off day, but it's not an off day in terms of, you know, what you're doing mentally or, or for your body. So um, for me, I've always looked at that as, I mean, you got to charge it to the game. It's a blessing. Uh, there's nothing else in this world that I'd rather be doing. And I only have a finite time that I could do it for. So why would I not do everything that I can to, you know, help me stay here and and just yes. improve? Uh, and I've always said this, I love what I do. And do I love everything that comes with what I do? Absolutely not. I don't think it does. But I love it so much that I could really care less about the things that I don't like doing in order to stay doing my love. Miles, you know, that's a great point. I'm good. You know what? I'm, I'm going to write that down after this is over because I'm going to I'm going to let people know that because of the people I deal with at Pagan One Consulting, uh, a lot of people love their jobs and they're different, but they have moments that there's things that are bad and what you or bad's the wrong word, things they don't love doing. Like myself, there's things I don't love doing about my job. That's for everybody. And I don't think people always look through your optics as a professional athlete. Uh, that grind of being there every Monday morning at 7.30 and all this videotape. That, not all that stuff is a, a, is a walk in the park and a great time. So thanks for bringing that up because that, that's a reminder of perspective. I don't know if there's any job out there. I, I always say if there's a job out there that you love everything about, that's not called a job. That's called a vacation. <laughs> right. right. That, like, that's a vacation. It, it almost seems like when you break it down like that, it almost seems like, Duh, yeah, that makes sense. If you really love it, you'll do whatever it takes to continue doing it. But it's like, I mean, I'm I'm human just like everybody else. Like yes. in, in off season when it's oh, that's a perfect example. When it's summertime, do you think I love waking up and going to camp every day at six AM? No, of course not. But I love playing football, so whatever it takes, I'm gonna do it. I mean, and even in like college, that brings up college, and that's for all the you know, college athletes that are that are listening to this that want to make it to a professional level someday. That's like, do you think I love going to class every day? Absolutely yeah. not. But do you think I would let a class stop me from playing in the NFL? Not even a chance. So, wow. um, yeah, I was going to do whatever it took to to give myself a chance. And that, that's what I really think it's about. You have to do everything to give yourself a chance to make it to the level that you want to be at. Because nothing's guaranteed. But yeah. I can control, I'm going to control to make sure that I have a chance to do the things that I want to do. Yeah, you said something earlier when we started this topic um, about taking care of your body and the nutrition. And I was going to ask this later, but a nice segue into it is in the Win the 16 book, I have a whole chapter on healthy lifestyle. You've always, even in high school, you were a plain grilled chicken breast guy. If we're at Bay Wings, you'd have your plain chicken, right? Every time, same thing, and or fish. And you've always been good at that. When you get out of football, is this is that just who you are now, Miles? This is just that's the kind of person, nutrition-wise, you are, or are you only doing this for your athletic? No, I think it's I think it's both for me now. Um, I would say there's probably like a two week, two week, two and a half week span right after the season where I just eat whatever I want to eat, and 
then I'll just get back into training shape again, just because it's the end of the season, whatever, you know, I'm on vacation. Uh, but for me, what, it started with me being a picky eater. And then I didn't realize it until I got to college, how much it really mattered. Because when I got to college, that's when what I ate affected me, what I was doing in my, my training sessions, you know, throughout the day, um, throughout practice. And now that I'm in the NFL, it even matters more because I'm getting older. So, um, yeah, I just, I, it, that, I mean, that's how you have to stay in this league. But now that I've experienced how it makes me feel, uh, it's really hard to kind of go back on that because I know if I ate something I shouldn't have ate, I'll feel it the next day or um, my energy won't be where it needs to be the next day. And it's kind of like funny feeling that that energy shift. It's like, oh, I know what I did wrong. And I think that's part of, you know, kind of being a professional too. And that's everybody who's working a job is professional in what they do. So I'm yeah. pretty sure you could, there's days where you like, you know what? I shouldn't have did that yesterday. And I can yep. feel this coming back to my energy now. And I think that's just, you have to be in tune with your body and how you're reacting to things. So I think everybody can pick up on that. 100%. And I was going to, I'm glad you said that. For the executives and president CEOs out there, what Miles just said is, so your two, three, four o'clock meeting, if you're not fueling your body the right way and getting the rest you need, you're no different. You're a professional too. And I just tell people, the competition in the world we live in, and obviously the NFL is amazing, it's incredible. But for those of us who are working in, you know, just a, a regular job, the, our competitors are talented. They're very good. They're coming after us. If we're not at our best mentally and physically, two, three, four in the afternoon, they're gonna. That's an opportunity for them to get ahead of us. And what you said, I think, is just important for everyone here about mind and body, what we put in matters. And it really does. And sleep matters. I know sleep is huge for you guys in the NFL. It is for us too. I, when I don't get my sleep, I'm just not as good. I'm not as patient. It's just not. So I wanted two more questions on sports, if I on business. Roquan Smith and Lamar Jackson, from, from what I hear, both really good guys, really good guys. I think you know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. They're their own agents. What are we hearing in the NFL circles on guys like that being their own? I know you have your own agent. They're being their own agent. Do you see a trend? What is go? What are you hearing these days on that? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a trend. And the trend would be speaking that if you're one of the top guys in your position, then maybe you don't need an agent to kind of get that job done. Uh, obviously, agent makes it a whole lot easier. But if you're Lamar Jackson, you're Roquan Smith, these guys are, you know, undoubtedly some of the best guys at their position. So they know what they're looking for and they know what they, their, their worth is. So I think it's it might be easier for them to do it rather as somebody who's kind of middle of the road. You know, they don't really know what their value is yet. So they have to have someone kind of go out there and ask on their behalf or look around the league and what their uh, evaluation is. So, I mean, I think... Yeah, if you're one of the top guys in the league, that's that's definitely an opportunity that you have and a way that you could go. But uh, I think for the majority of players, still having an agent having an agent is smart. But yeah, if you're one of the best guys in the league, there's definitely a reason why um, you can ask what you're asking for because you come at a premium. Yeah, Patrick McCall, Patrick Mahomes didn't call me, but I I think I could have taken care of his contract. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I, I think I could have handled that one. Um, I think people out there, especially we have a lot of business people listening, they'll be curious. What is, I'm not, we're not looking for dollars. 
But what is it like to negotiate a contract? I know your agent does that for you. We've talked about this many times, but tell people emotionally. I think people think it's so easy as you're going through free agency or trade, whatever it is, what it's like negotiating a contract, the communication with your agent, maybe just the internal feelings that's going through. Uh, I don't think people realize uh, what it's like. Why don't you tell us? I would, I would say it's probably, and I think everybody is going to agree with this when I try to break it down the way that I'm going to break it down. Um, I think it's probably the most frustrating thing ever. Yeah, it's humbling, <laughs> but it's the most frustrating thing in the world because I don't, I don't think I've ever met somebody who feels like they're being valued the way that they value themselves. And if you, if you take your passion and your job serious, I don't think anybody ever feels like that. Like, at what point do you ever feel like you're being valued as much as you value yourself? And that's just the reality of it. And I think that's kind of the way it should be. I mean, I don't care what you say. Nobody's ever going to value Miles Boykin the way I value myself. Just like no one's going to value Dave Pygon the way that you value yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's what kind of gets in the way of uh, any type of negotiation. Because it's just like, how are you going to offer me this when I feel like I'm worth this? You know, I do this, this, and this. And, you know, their job is to be like, their job is to diminish your value as much as possible. You know, they're trying to, it's a business. Question. I, I, for everyone who can't see me, which you can't, I raised my hand. Mr. Miles, how do you not take it personal? How do you not take it personal when they cut you? Because they have to. How do you not? Or does your agent keep that away from you or you don't even hear it? No, they don't keep it away from me. They tell you the truth. But there's, a, there's also, uh, I can always respect honesty. I might not agree with you, but I can always respect honesty. And in a business, I'm not making it personal when it's not personal. Um, you know, I, I love, I, I, obviously you're going to have feelings regardless, but um, where you put those emotions, what you put that energy to might always be the most helpful thing. Um, so for me, I love what I do and I'm going to continue to do it to the best of my ability. And I'm always going to value myself more than anybody else does. And, you know, I'm okay with that because that's probably the way that it should be. Um, that just means that I have standards for myself and I, and I think that what I'm doing is extremely valuable. And that's one of the things that uh, playing with Mike Tomlin, and I only played with him for a year, but I just learned so much from that guy. Um, two of the things that he always says to me that stand out, and the second thing is really something that he said. He said it, but he also showed it. But one of the things he, he looks at us and always says, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking so you don't have to wonder what I'm thinking. And I think that just goes such a long way. He's just so transparent with Everybody on the team. It doesn't matter if you're the best dude on the team. It doesn't matter if you're Mika Fitzpatrick or if you're somebody on the practice squad. He's going to tell you what he's thinking so that you're not wondering what he's thinking. And as the boss that runs everything, you respect that a lot. He might not be saying something that you like to hear, but it might be something that you need to hear. And it's not. It's always going to be the truth coming from his eyes. And then um, one of the things that make the Steelers great for me is in, in him being my coach and him being the boss and him being the leader of this team. Uh, I remember when we were two and seven last year. And he said in the team meeting that he's always going to be the same person every single day. It does not matter. He said it wouldn't matter if we were seven and two. It doesn't matter if we're undefeated. It doesn't matter if we don't have a win. I'm not going to change the recipe to success if I've been doing it this long. I'm never going to be a different guy. And, man, that goes such a long way in, in an environment, in a football environment. You start losing games in the NFL, and everybody gets a little bit tense. Everybody... Uh, kind of starts getting mad at each other, frustrated. It was never like that in Pittsburgh. Like, obviously, we weren't happy to be losing, but we were 2-7, and seven and 
if the leader is going to say he's going to be the same person every day, then everybody else in this organization is going to be the same person every day. And uh, yeah, I've just learned so much from that. So even on my worst days, if I could be the same person I am when I'm having my great days and when I'm having my great days, I could be the same person I'm having. I'm, I'm the same person when I'm having my worst days. Everything's going to be OK because it's just that continuity and just keep moving forward. I just I just loved when he did that. And uh, to me, it was it was one of the best things I've ever seen out of a leader. I wrote that down. That's yeah, that's usable material there with uh, what Coach Tomlin said there. That's amazing, right? That transparency because we can, we all just want the truth. And it's so funny in corporate America where I my space to live, we talk a lot about things like courageous conversations, and we overblow it a, a little bit because Coach Tomlin makes it real easy. I'm just going to tell you what I'm thinking, so you don't have to guess. It's not courageous college. I'm just being honest with you. And he just does it. It's natural. It's what he does. It's his thing. And the players totally respect it, which I think is amazing. And that's exactly, it's so funny that you said that about having hard conversations because that's one of his main things. He's like, you have to have this. Like, he's like, if you're not getting the playing time that you want, talk to me, talk to your coaches. Like, there's nothing wrong with, with, with having those conversations. And then another thing he says is, you can't have unique results without unique relationships. He said, how am I going to ask you guys to follow me and be a leader of this team if I'm not having relationships with each and every person here? So that's that's always a great thing in, in playing for a guy like that. You just learn so much. Yeah, and you've been lucky because you've had Harbaugh and you now have him. Different styles, I'm sure, uh, but I know you've spoken very highly of them uh, in different ways and what they've brought, which is great for you, Miles, because now – you're getting all these different experiences that whatever you end up doing in life, you can pick and choose to make whatever you want to do, which leads me into, I got three more questions for you. You, you, you ready? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Two of them I have to ask or my brother will kill me. He's like, you better make sure you ask Miles these questions since he couldn't be with us. So I said, okay, don't worry. I'll make sure I get him in. The best, I think I know this in talking to you. I wrote it down what I think your answer is. I'll see if I was right. The best thing about playing in the NFL. Oh, gosh. I'm going to tell you what I – once you answer, I'll tell you okay. what I think you would say because it's what I would say. But Man, that's such a hard question. Um, this is easy. You've said it to me before. I, the fact that I get to play a game for a living. Like, it's, I'm literally just playing a game. That's what I love the most about it. What would you, what I, would you? I hear you, but I'm a capitalistic capitalism guy by nature. <laughs> Money. <laughs> it's the check. Well, that's that's part of it. I'm saying I get to play a game for a living. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, game check. It's yeah. so no one can see here because we're not on visual. But I just took a twenty dollar bill out and I showed it to Miles um, that the the check. But yeah, playing a game is incredible. I wish I was talented enough to play basketball in any way, shape, or form. I get it. Um, but I thought, I'm like, oh, it's got to be the money. That's a, that check we get, you know, once a week and for the games. I, I would dream about that. Uh, number two, uh, what are some different areas you're looking to do when you retire from football 10 years from now or whatever that number is? Do you have any idea of some different avenues you might, and you, and you could say no if you'd like, you don't have to answer this question, but do you have any yet 
of a couple areas you're going to be looking towards when you get out of the game or too early? No, absolutely. Uh, I've always said that I want to use my degree from Notre Dame and I graduated with a business marketing degree. So um, I plan on you. I worked way too hard for that degree, so I got to use it at some point. Um, so I plan on working in marketing, sports marketing or something at some point once I retire. Now, how long I work that job is, we'll see, but I'm, I'm definitely going to at least give it a crack and at least give myself, you know, the opportunity to say that I use my degree. You're so well-spoken, and I know I'm a little bit like your mom in that regard, and your dad, I'm biased, <laughs> but I know, he, I know you laugh, but it's true. I can admit it. You, your interviews on TV, your interviews on radio, we listen to them often, it's announcing any of that kind of stuff, whether it's at Notre Dame, college football, NFL, is that something you're looking into at all potentially or too early? No, no I mean, I never cared to do that. Maybe my passions will change. I just know that I, when I'm done playing football, I've just put so much into this sport and so much my whole life. I've put everything that I've had into, into this dream and this passion that I know once I'm done playing football, I'm going to need to take a step away from it for a little bit. So I probably don't want to be around it for, you know. Interesting. Years, yeah. yeah, I can see that. I mean, you've you've been logging around a, a helmet and shoulder pads for a long period of time. Yeah, <laughs> if you date back that. Uh, actually, I got last two. Anything that surprised you in the NFL? I know you were prepared tremendously through your contacts and studying for the NFL, but now that you're five years, was anything in particular surprising about the NFL to you? And maybe it's not. Um, yeah, I would say like once I like before I was in the NFL, I always used to always think of these players as just I don't know what I thought of them, but I just wouldn't think they were regular people. And we are oh. all the regular people you could ever meet. Like we're childish. Like we'll still play Xbox, we'll still like go to the bar and just have oh. a drink. But we're the, the most simple people in the world. Like we're still just regular people. That's that's probably what surprised me the most. It doesn't matter these dudes that have been playing for ten years, they're still joking around in the locker room every day. Um, you think of these big mean dudes like no that's none of us we're just regular regular dudes <laughs> and I, I can vouch that i remember last year i was like hey Tyler, you want to grab some dinner he's like no no i'm on playstation or whatever you guys play and he's like yeah mustafer and miles are on i go who <laughs> for those out there sam mustafer was the starting center for the bears also a college teammate of miles so yeah. tyler's playing madden or whatever you guys were playing the three of you are not even mad now <laughs> who's like calling Call of Duty. Yeah, there you go. Call. Thank you. I'm like, what you got? You you're playing Call of Duty with two NFL football players. I'm like, don't they have anything better to do on a Monday night than play Call of Duty with you? <laughs> so you're right. You're exactly right. Um, last thing was, or is, thank you for reading Win the Sixteen Principles and Strategies to Optimize Your Day, my book that I wrote. Uh, Miles was one of the 20 people that I had take a look at the book early on in the process when I first wrote it. He actually wrote a, a, a nice testimonial claim in the back. Miles, anything in that book, jump out. I know you said some really nice things and thank you for that, that are applicable to a professional athlete, which in turn is probably applicable to the rest of us in the world working that you could share with everybody before we sign off today. Um, I would think a big part of it is, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is just being efficient with the time that you have and putting it towards the passion that you want. Um, I think it's it's realistic for anybody to sit up here and 
understand that you're not going to put 100% of your time into your passion because we talked about there needs to be boundaries, there needs to be breaks. But I think you need to at least be aware of the decisions that you're making and how it could affect your passion or your dream and everything that goes into that. Like I said, um, you're not going to like everything that you that you do, but if you love what you do, you'll be fine doing things that you don't like. Yeah, and that's that whole mental cha- mental toughness part of the book that we talk about in there that sometimes I don't say in the book, but basically what I'm saying is at times we just have to suck it up yeah, and do things to get to that. I do think seeing the end of the road, which I think you've always done a nice job of that because you, you, you don't get emotional on things. You handle them so, I don't want to say evenly keeled, but you handle them so well because I think you always do a nice job of seeing what's going to be around the corner visualizing that and we talk a lot about that in the book of getting through those workouts because at the end what is there well the nfl contract and playing on sundays which is what you love to do so miles you were amazing great it's great to see you like this uh hopefully i'll see you in the summer before you go back uh fully for the season so thank you so much Everyone in the South Side will be listening to this podcast. Uh, And uh, thanks again, Miles. All the best. And everyone, thank you for listening to Win the 16 podcast. We appreciate you. Win the 16. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go Win the 16.